some Earthlings here. Hello, all you fellow Earthlings. This is Bob Bria talking. We were uh, last week. We were talking about the uh, MJ12 document, and um, I thought that it was uh, important that I just give you a like a rehash of what I spoke about last week. Um, the uh, MJ12 document, which was uh, published in the 80s and became public knowledge. It, uh, it sort of uh, it took a little time for it to get accepted by investigators because uh, they didn't know what they were dealing with. But eventually, they, you know, they felt that this was something worth looking at really closely. And eventually, um, a man by the name of Stanton Friedman, who I respect tremendously, uh, took it upon himself to get involved in uh, substantiating the uh, validity of this document, which was leaked to a uh, group of investigators ca- ca- in California. And uh, as a consequence of uh, this this uh, in- inquisition by Stanton Friedman, he found out a lot of information that was never really known at all because it was uh, kept from the public. Do you, so, do you feel like his motivation was like, this is such a big deal. It really, this is like the smoking gun kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and the fact that uh, the, the, the digger, the, the more he dug into it, the more he realized that this was really, the most important document ever leaked from the uh, U.S. government. And the implications are tremendous. His um, reputation probably took a hit too, right? I mean, anyone who comes out and is poking in the wrong place, so to speak. <laughs> well, the, the, the funny thing is that why would a subject like this become top secret if it was if it was something that we were all wanting to know if we were alone in the universe. And once we knew that, uh, you, you would assume that we, we would be told that we weren't alone, but uh, that's not the case. And the, uh, the secrecy and the cover-up began in earnest in the 40s, and it's uh, continuing today despite the fact that there were sightings made off the coast of California in the last few years by uh, Navy pilots who have said that they've seen these things all the time. And now that the cat is out of that bag, so to speak, uh, the government has issued a, uh, a report, uh, a uh, declassified report, which uh, didn't say anything, and uh, it <laughs> right. still it still remains uh, a secret. So mm. what are they really hiding? Uh, I've come to the conclusion that this uh, document, MJ12 document, which was so important that it uh, created a follow-up uh, a couple of years later called the Special Operations Manual, and that is called, in short, the SOM Manual. Right, which we went over last week. Yeah. The, the, 
the spreading of the secrecy became a larger and and larger uh, problem because there were more and more people involved in trying to keep their mouth shut. But and what, it, uh, and what, uh, going off of one thing you said, um, if you fast forward to today, they're still they still have kept a pretty good rap on it, but they have to keep up with the public's opinion. How many people believe in it? I think, don't you think that's kind of the barometer? How many, if, if so many people believe in that it's actually true and have accepted it, then it's, then, then it's going to be harder and harder to dupe people. So they start spreading little things and kind of controlling the narrative, like we said. And, uh, yeah, keep well, it, they did know, a good job of, of controlling the narrative until these pilots started talking about it. And that's when it got a more, more of attention uh, from the public. So it's, they've been interviewed. They've been talked about on different TV stations all over the country. So, so here's the government keeping it under wraps. And meanwhile, it seems like if you believe – whatever portion of these sightings you believe are real, if, if the aliens just start showing up, that kind of blows the government's case, doesn't it? <laughs> it makes it hard. Yeah, they, they wish they would go away, go, go to some other planet, you know. But uh, they're here, and they're here for a long time. So the, going uh, back. As a going back to the uh, MJ-12 uh, individuals that Bring were put together back. by Truman – and uh, Forrestal, the the biographies of these uh, individuals have become known to investigators, and I've come across those biographies, and they're quite interesting because the people that are in them are not just uh, any old uh, person in uh, the government or the military. They've all had tremendous backgrounds in uh, the government, in, in intelligence, in uh, the academies of the CIA and the Navy. But you would um, need credibility to, to – well, wait a minute. All right, so these, these are, this is the MJ-12. So these are the guys in charge of the secrecy. Yes. But they also were involved in – I guess the experiments and the study of these phenomena. Yeah, well, they were in, in their fields. They were all separated uh, by uh, their their expertise. Mm-hmm. So one was more involved in, uh, you know. Um, so they had different um, astronomy. Backgrounds one gave was them a in, better possibility of understanding what they were finding and looking at. Yeah. In short, the word is back engineering. Mm-hmm. So each one of these these people were were perfectly suited for these 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 situations that they were placed in. So one of them was mo- the most important. I feel was this this man by the name of Vannevar Bush. Uh, I'll read you a, a little paragraph uh, of his his background. And, and it really leads you to understand the type of people that they were. Uh, he graduated with an electrical engineering degree from Tufts College and earned other science degrees 
from the Massachusetts Institute of Technologies, uh, formerly uh, uh, MIT, uh, called MIT. That's not. And he also attended Harvard University. He was involved with research on submarine detection for the U.S. Navy early in his career. In 1930, Bush and his group at MIT had developed the first machine to solve differential equations. By World War II and through the 1940s, he was a scientific advisor to President Truman and chairman of the National Defense Resources Commission. Vannevar Bush died on June 28, 1974. His involvement with the... uh, with the research on the atomic bomb was uh, it was crucial to his choice uh, by uh, Forrestal to, to be involved in this group because he would be counted on to keep uh, the information restricted. And the use of this word compartmentalization is a, is a word that, that controls um, information on a, a need-to-know basis, and they use these terms in the government to throw off the uh, suspicion, the, as well as the mafia. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, they also use these these terms to 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 warn off suspicion because people don't understand what these words are, but they're carefully. Uh, selected, developed, and selected for their 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 hidden meanings um, over the years. Uh, if you notice how they pick uh, words to to summarize something, it, it'll have a double meaning, and uh, it, it takes time for you to understand how it works. But it, it it's there for you to see. You just have to be aware of it. Um, the other important person who was on this list was uh, James Forrestal. Mm-hmm. He had an aircraft carrier named after him, and that's very unusual uh, for, for that to happen. Uh, most people don't have aircraft carriers named after them. But, uh, he no, my was, mom did. Oh, oh that was more the, the crew. Uh, n- never mind. Never mind. <laughs> he, he began his uh, career in business, but by 1940, he was administrative assistance to President Franklin Roosevelt. From 1944 to 1947, he was undersecretary of the Navy. When the National Security Act of 1947 was enacted, President Truman appointed him to this new cabinet position of Secretary of Defense. His task was to reorganize and coordinate all the armed services. That was two months after the Roswell crash. Forrestal's mental attitude deteriorated during the next two years. Some say it was for political reasons. Others speculate it had something to do with the secret about alien life forms. Secretary of Forrestal entered entered the U.S. Navy Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland, and on May 22, 1949, he fell through a window to his death. God. Oof. 
very, very sad ending for an important man. Uh, He was replaced in the MJ-12 group in 1950 by Army General Walter Beadle Smith, Eisenhower's chief of staff during World War II. Beadle Smith was born in 1895. He graduated from the Army War College, and he was chief of staff for the Allied Forces headquartered in North Africa from 1942 to 1944. He was appointed U.S. Ambassador to the Soviet Union in 1946. General Smith also headed the CIA, serving as director from 1950 to 1953. Oh, not just your everyday Smith there, huh? Yeah, just your average Smith. Oh, nothing, just the head of the CIA. Yeah. He had so many positions. It's just amazing. For those of you just joining the live room, I see you in there. Thank you for coming by. We are talking about the MJ-12. Members. The Majestic 12 members. members. Yes. And this is the 12 people, if you believe this document is real, which we do. All evidence points to it then these are the 12 people that from the 1940s on were assigned with knowing the truth about UFOs and and, uh, and making sure no one else knew anything about UFOs. As their comings and goings, they would be replaced with suitable replacements in their fields. And most of them were probably chosen by the very members of the living members they would choose their replacements uh, based on the recommendations. Nothing democratic about this process. Mm-mm. No, this cut through all, all forms of uh, uh, d- Republican, Democratic. This, this was uh, much different. But uh, I'd like to uh, focus on each one of these people in, in this group because... Uh, their importance and their backgrounds are so unbelievable. When you when you read what they what they where they came from, what schools they went to, and what kind of uh, involvement they had during the war, the, these were the perfect people to to be put into this this uh, this committee. They were also political too. They had that. They had worked for the president or been close uh, a close advisor to the prior president things like that so they had that you know they were at the the top echelon of these mm-hmm. different agencies and armed forces mm-hmm. they was they were sought after for advice many times uh, and this is why that they moved this is why they moved from different high positions to other high positions they held multiple positions in different companies and uh, laboratories and, and uh, military and, uh, uh, situations. And, and, and it all comes to, to bear on, on this, this subject of flying saucers. Okay, hold on, hold on. Here's what I see. Okay. These people are the ones that would show up first to the scene probably when there was something 
happening. No, they were just in the, in their post to to keep a lid on everything. If anyone comes to ask, is there any truth to the alien thing? They would they would tell you why it's untrue. They had other people doing all the dirty work. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have to uh, go out into the field. They just got the analysis and and the uh, the minutes uh, or the uh, updates every morning or every other day, and usually a lot of these meetings took place in the Pentagon. So, so it was more for letting someone in our armed forces be aware of it at a very high position, because they also didn't know what the threats were. Right. That's why as the, as the secrecy and more information came in, the secrecy had to be uh, tightened because too many people knew too much. But by the time the SOM uh, was put together and the, uh, the strength of the... Uh, the group of people that were appointed to take care of packaging, moving these things uh, to different parts in the country for scientific mm -hmm. analysis involved a, a, a lot of people. And uh, I mean, at the, at the height of the Manhattan Project, you had 50,000 people working on it scientifically. So don't say that they can't keep secrets because there was a lot of people working on the Manhattan Project. Which, of course, would have been only told what they needed to know. Right. So one person on the left didn't know what one person on the right was doing, and yet they were working on, on one thing. But anyway, the, 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 the fact that as this, this uh, information kept coming into the, uh, uh, to the intelligence uh, agencies, they had to keep reformulating what to do. So in the SOM, excuse me, the SOM uh, uh, manual, there's a paragraph that mentions the current situation as it existed in 1952. And it states there has been no interaction with these creatures as of that time right and if you guys want to hear more about the som check out the episode last week because we went all into that and i remember that same section they well i kind of lost my train of thought there but well they, they they found that this um this object was uh was giving off a little bit of uh, 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 like a, uh, a virus kind of feeling because people were getting sick who were handling this. So Hand that had handling to... Handling which one? Which one is this? Handling parts of the craft, uh, the, the creatures themselves. I mean, they had to have uh, uh, hazmat suits that were created for these, uh, these members of this uh, team that would go to these crash sites and they weren't just dressed in a, a nylon uh, outfit from the doctor's office. They were dressed like they, they didn't want to get something. Mm -hmm. 
which is usually those those hazmat suits, which right? Are, radiation, yeah, radiation or something, or, or a virus, or something mm-hmm. that's contaminationable. Uh, right. and, and, and as this information increased, it uh, increased the uh, the urgency of of not letting this slip out to the public, because then they're going to start asking questions, and that's the last thing they want to do is start answering questions about contamination from these uh, craft. You know, they wish that there was only uh, one crash, but unfortunately there were a continuation of crashes. So they had to uh, develop a a means to recover these things and to bring them to areas for scientific analysis. And that's what became known as uh, back engineering. And the best place to, to do all this back engineering would be a, a military base sh- shrouded in uh, secrecy. And one of them is uh, Area 51 in Nevada. <laughs> and uh, if you think that that place is not secret, boy, just try to get into that place. <laughs> uh, who was the guy that um, was working on one of the reactors is it was that Bob Lazar? Was he the one? The, oh, that the was old, the old on? kid from working from Westbury, Long Island. Yeah, he got a job in Area Fifty One, and uh, he wrote an autobiography which explains his uh, dealings in, in that uh, with the government position. Yeah, and uh, it's quite interesting. A lot of people say, "Oh, he's full of baloney," and uh, well, they're always going to uh, say that. But a lot of the things check out that uh, he has said. And one of the most interesting things that he has said is is about this uh, element that was added to the, uh, the physics table, the periodic table. Mm-hmm. Uh, element 115, as it's called. Uh, Unimpentium. That's my rapper name. <laughs> uh, he announced that this uh, this element was given to them by these uh, creatures, and um, it, had it, was a, found, it had a, it was found on the crash site or something. Yeah, they, they they have found that this this particular element is the is the source of their power for this craft. And uh, it's sort of like a reactor. Uh, the uh, the principles of it weren't fully explained, but the um, well, the gentleman before him apparently died doing an experiment. Mm-hmm. So this technology would be who knows how far in front another alien life form could be. I mean, it could be thousands of years. Yeah, we're, and we're trying to play with something that uh, looks like silly putty to us, you know. The uh, hey, I like silly putty. Don't be so silly. <laughs> All right, you guys out there, if anybody has a question, we're going to take a really short break. We're going to be right back to talk some more about these individuals that make up the majestic twelve.
Greetings, Earthlings. You have discovered the podcast, Why Are UFOs Top Secret? With expert Bob Bria. Earthlings. Hello there. We're going to do an episode on the pilot accounts too. So look out for that mm-hmm. in a few weeks. And I'm not a very good DJ. Sorry. Mr. Bob Bria, would you like to continue? Yes, I would. Back to what we were talking about with regard to these uh, individuals who are on this uh, Majestic 12 uh group um when when information came into their their uh, uh possession that uh things were changing and these things were not just flying around taking pictures they were interacting interacting <laughs> with people and that raised a big uh, problem. Now they had to deal with the fact that these things were picking people up. Oh, yeah. You know, a nice little weekend away with uh, with Elon Musk. Yeah, right. How, how would you like the uh, the government to come on television and tell, tell the public that, oh, yes, we have visitors from another planet, but they're they're also interest, uh, interested in you and I. <laughs> they want to know what you're made no, of. I mean, that gets back to them. If you, you have to put yourself in the position of the government, I guess, in the 1940s. They didn't know why aliens were coming here. No one announced it before. No one sent us a message. Um, oh, that's right. My train of thought that I lost earlier, it came back to me. Um, the fact that um, no one has really come after any of these beings or crashed uh, aircraft. No one has been seeking to retrieve them or save them or rescue them. And it seemed in that same document, the SOM, that area that you, the, the section that you were talking about, they also said that they didn't appear to be wanting to make contact, right? They seem to have been benign which uh, indicated that they uh, they weren't interested inter- interested in picking up their uh, their dead uh, friends, <laughs> right? You know, uh, you Wait, would I think guess avoiding further detection. I guess I don't know. You're on your. I guess you're on your own if you come down to earth. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's quite amazing the consistency of these creatures um the different accounts you mean how they the accounts of of their um, demeaning and how they uh, conduct themselves they Mm -hmm. all seem to be like little doctors they all have interested uh focus on anatomy and uh 
it's almost like they're infant doctors. Don't get me started on cow mutilations now. Well, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> the, oh, uh, man. The, these creatures are so small. I, I've often speculated that uh, they're infants with a IQ of, you know, 5,000. I mean, I, I, it would make sense that if you were going to send a search party, it would be more like your, sci your scientific people. But people. In, <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to talk about uh, the cows. We'll we'll do that another time. But um. yeah, moo. <laughs> the uh, the the fact that these uh, creatures are in, interested in, in uh, the anatomy of uh, humans and also cattle is kind of curious. Why not interested in uh, elephants or kangaroos? Why why cattle? Of all the animals out there roaming in open fields. Because aliens drink milk. Yeah, they like skim milk. <laughs> they like the butter. I mean, the, who doesn't? Uh, right? The analysis of which have come out of these uh, cattle mutilations are uh, enough for a, a, another episode. But uh, I just wanted to briefly uh, uh, connect the two because there is something about that that that's uh, in, insidious uh, is the word I'm using uh, because of uh, our our interactions with cattle and how much we depend on cows for our livelihood from everything from milk to their body parts and we to, eat to, all to of them. climate change. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just amazing how how much. The, I mean, uh, my my opinion, my my instinct is telling me that there it's for scientific reasons. It's uh, maybe who knows? I mean, we we can't fathom with how far ahead they might be, but they might be using the tissue to grow full cows out of each part. For all we know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I keep getting you know dragged into that conversation because it's quite. A mystery. Yes, it is, and it's and, uh, um, it's a really hard one to to uh, deny. Yeah, especially when you see how many uh, cows have been uh, mutilated in the same precise way. Uh, there's too many to be uh, put into the uh, cult. Well, and, honestly, uh, devil none, worship. Yeah, none, of, none of them have been explained. No, they try to. They try to fake some and say, oh, th this was done by a, a devil worship group. But then when you look at the evidence, no, it's not. It's done by uh, something else, unearthly. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll get into that in that another episode. That crazy episode is coming in the future. <laughs> uh, I'd like to get some uh, questions from the uh, listeners out there, if there are any tonight. We got some people in the live room. Feel free to ask a question. Uh, anything really. It doesn't have to be about the MJ12. Mr. Bria is pretty well versed here, so go for it. Also, if anyone wants to send us an email, if you're not in the live room on the Podbean, you can catch us on Spotify and iHeartRadio. And you can send Mr. Bria an inquiry or email or question. To UFOs top secret at protonmail.com.
All right, Mr. Breed, let's bring it on home. How would you like to uh, understand the uh, the uh, the urgency to uh, pretend that something is a joke just so that it doesn't create anxiety in the public in the public's eye a, a, a program of disinformation that's coordinated to involve uh, the press, uh, Hollywood, uh, the TV, and producers in different uh, categories. Good old-fashioned propaganda. And, and propaganda works. It, it, it's a, a tool of controlling information, and uh, it's used in warfare, and it's used in peacetime. And right now, we're not at war, but we're in some kind of war with trying to get the truth about uh, this subject and why it's being uh, pushed off and, as a, a joke and a weather balloon fiasco when the government knows well aware, is well aware of what's going on. And they've known for many, many decades so uh, my mission is to uh, teach people how this subject became top secret. And it's because of the need to protect the public from fear. Well, think about it. I mean, come on. But you, you, as a government, you'd have to say, well, we're not really, there is a higher power, technological superior power than us. We don't know where they come from. They have multiple ships, can fly faster, farther, disappear, uh, evade radar. Um, and uh, But yeah, we're still in charge. <laughs> you know, there's that. And then there's just the individual psychology of people. It's a very debasing kind of shock. I mean, most people, I don't, there are certain topics that, that people just can't stomach. And I think this is one of them that uh, it's not like it's, it's, even though you think it's probably possible, you don't really want to know the details. I think that's kind of the average joke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just think of how much lies, how many lies have been told about this subject. And then, then somebody has a sighting and all of a sudden they're, they're hit with the reality that what they've been told was uh, not the truth. So they're left with this, uh, this shock and, and they have to go to sleep at night thinking about what they just saw and how to fit it into their own uh, image of reality. Well, we could talk about how people vote <laughs> and cognitive dissonance, <laughs> and, but you know, yeah, it's a related thing. It's just a, it's it's a, it's it's the kind of thing that just takes your knees out a bit. Yeah, a book yeah. was written many years ago that was try that has tried to uh, fit the uh, the whole subject in uh, an educational format that the uh, government has uh, enacted a uh, a a program of teaching people through. Uh, TV cartoons uh, that uh, there's that creatures out the there with three eyes and four <laughs> eyes and 
you know, all these little uh, animated pixel characters that they they make movies out of. It's, it's, it's to lessen the the impact of, of thinking about creatures with big eyes and telepathic uh, uh, capabilities. Huh, what was it? Oh, my ex-wife. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm going to leave her out of this. <laughs> the, uh, the reality <laughs> of these creatures being taken, taken seriously is quite hard to uh, accept. It's, it's like a hard pill to swallow. It really is. And, and as the government, you know, they didn't know what, uh, I mean, we can assume, I feel like they didn't know. Maybe they, we don't know what they knew and didn't know, really. That's the whole point. But Yeah, maybe they thought they, uh, they were here on a vacation and that they were just stopping off and uh, they were on to some other planet uh, in the next uh, couple of months. Well, yeah. I mean, without – I mean, the fear would be what? That, 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 that 500, 200-yard uh, ships would come down and say, we're taking over Earth, that, you know, or that they're going to shoot some ray gun and blow up the whole thing. Or or we're just the scout. They're going to make us all slaves or whatever. You know? Yeah, we're just a scout group, and there's a, a big group that's going to follow. Or is it just that they they want to live next to us in the universe? But they like this. They don't place. want us to blow ourselves up. Well, they like this place. They were here yeah. before, right. and uh, and they're, they're back again, and they see that we're uh, screwing things up. And uh, they might have to uh, eliminate well, us. Again, if you make a nuclear explosion on the surface of the Earth, that is det detectable from outer space. Yeah, it's like a doorbell. And that's when the sightings started to happen. Yeah. So. The, 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 the coincidence is too, too there to, uh, uh, ignore. to ignore. Yeah. You know, when you think about the, the, the coincidences between the detonation and the amount of de detonations – and then the arrival of these objects, uh, they, it coincides with the war and us using all these bombs. I mean, we, we dropped a lot of bombs during the war. You know, besides the atomic bomb, there were bombs dropped all over Europe. Luckily, none were dropped in the United States, but uh, we, we dropped plenty of them over there in Europe. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a very plausible... Um you know, explanation. And also to me, that's pretty likely because why aren't they making themselves known? Why aren't, why, why are, do they seem to be avoiding contact or are they in full contact? You know, are they hanging out with Biden uh, in his basement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's left for speculation. I mean, the majestic 12 itself, that there's this group of people that were, in charge of what the cover up or in charge of the no, or is it both? Well, they were fed daily or real, real truth. They were fed the truth and they had to deal with what to do with that truth. And so they, they kept the, the, the cover up going and the, the name majestic 12 may not be in existence today, because every time the publicity starts to surface, they, they're, they're changing the name of it. And, uh, well, once the FBI said, oh, no, this is all bogus, you know. 
Yeah. It's not, not nothing to this. Yeah, don't look here. Look somewhere I mean, else. I'm sure yeah. they would have changed the name by then. Yeah. But I'm, I'm convinced that it still exists under a different name, but as just as impowerful and um, secretive, too. Wiki, until they know. Wiki, we need WikiLeaks, man. Come on, Wiki. You got something on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> until they know, I guess, really what uh, the agenda is, uh, we're going to be kept in the dark until they land on the front front lawn of the white house you know and or who knows it could be a disgruntled russian scientist that spills the beans one day hmm. I, I wonder what that needs to be though to make people believe it i mean does an alien have to walk up to you and kiss you on the mouth and you feel slime all over your face to believe that it was an actually an alien if you see a video with blinking lights are you going to think that's fake it's not so hard to make video today and edit and do graphics you know it's just it's hard to a daytime say, a daytime sighting cannot be discounted. <laughs> a nighttime we have another sighting. Rob in the live chat. He's saying an invasion. Yeah, that. <laughs> All right, funny man. An invasion would definitely reveal itself as uh, an alien force. This is true. I guess you know. At least we would believe it then, wouldn't we? Remember the old TV show called The. It was about these aliens that that came to Earth, and they they had like a disguise on them. <laughs> and when they took the disguise off, they were lizards. <laughs> but when they were stating their demands, and people that were listening to them didn't believe them, they would say, uh, "Pull the blinds up," and they would pull the blinds up, and there's the the UFO sitting out there hovering <laughs> outside the window. So they got the message real, you know, real clear, hmm. but that was a, that was a pretty cool show. It, it was on for a few years. And, uh, but if you make it fiction then maybe it's not true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they had to cover their ass, you know, they didn't want to, uh, make it too, uh, uh, real looking. They wanted to make it a little fun. So they used, uh, a pretty uh, representative. She well, was they may invade us one day. I hope. I hope no time soon. But I do want us to invade them, and that means invading whatever we have to to get the truth. Right, my man. Yeah, we we need to get the truth. There's been so much uh, uh, mistruths said to us that uh, it's hard to. Uh, separate the signal from the noise, you know? And uh, that's why I spent so many years looking into this subject because I said to myself, e either this is true or it's false. There's, there's only one way to look at it. It's not, there's nothing in between. They're <laughs> either here or they're not here. And all the, all the information that I've come across leads me to think that they're here. <laughs> what they want is uh, not in my mind. I don't know. It's all speculation. But uh, they're definitely here. And so are we, folks. We'll be back next week. I want to thank all y'all for coming in the live chat room. Rob, Lady Me, Forsaken, SJ. We appreciate you guys, all right? We'll be back next week. 
Same time, same place on the Podbean at 8 p.m. You can find us out there on Spotify and iHeartRadio as well. You discovered the podcast, Why Are UFOs Top Earthlings, don't forget, keep your eyes open and your hands on the wheel. See you soon.